104.5 The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now, Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome in. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Talking pro wrestling. We do it every single week at this time here on The Zone, along with Brandon Hagney. I'm Jason Martin. David Reed completes our faction, but he is still out recuperating, recovering. Look forward to having him back in the saddle here real soon. Good news is, seeing as how he's kind of on respite from the program, he doesn't have to watch Stomping Grounds tonight, which... He's probably already seen it, quite frankly, because this entire card's just a bunch of rematches. That is true for the most part. Plus, um, if he wanted to go see it in person, he'd probably get front row ducats for about five bone right now based on how those things are sold. This thing is not selling. Was it Tacoma, Washington? Is that where we're at tonight? No, I've seen Um, a show in Tacoma. The the notorious wrestling hotbed of Tacoma, Washington. Um, One of the most infamous things ever happened in Tacoma at a show I was at. It was Buff Bagwell against Booker T. Is it Judy Bagwell in a pole match? No, it was the WCW match, the oh, first ever WCW match in WWE, WWE that television. pretty much killed the invasion dead with Arn Anderson on commentary with Scott Hudson. I spoke to both of them afterwards, was introduced to both of them back in the hotel. Thought it was going to be exciting. Bought the WCW shirt with the new logo on it. Three, four months later, that thing was a wrap. They were going to basically reboot Nitro as kind of like the last hour of Raw, yes. right? And that match died a death in that arena. Vince hated it so much that he killed the invasion because of it. Like, well, next time, all right, I'm with you on Booker T. Obviously, we're we're good on that one. But uh, Buff Bagwell is not who you want to, you know, put your company in the best foot. Not after the neck injury. So what you're saying is Buff is not the stuff. Buff is not the stuff. Okay. Not in any respect. Judy is more the stuff than buff <laughs> by that point. But this this show not selling well, according to reports. Um, earlier this week, the the Observer basically said you can get two for one tickets. That's basically two tickets for twenty bucks. That's insane uh, to this show, a pay per view event uh, in Tacoma, Washington tonight, stomping grounds. And when you look at the overall health of the product, like. Even when WWE puts on a good show, and I will say, Monday Night Raw this week was a good show. It was a better show. It no was question a, about that. A tremendously better show. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit there. There's still things me about it, but it was a lot more watchable. It was, they put characters on television that we haven't seen in weeks. You know, we saw, you and I were talking about this last week. Where the heck are the War Raiders? Yep. Well, Viking Raiders, War Raiders, whatever the crap they're called. The War um, Marauders. I've heard maybe they might be changing it again. Yeah, whatever. But they were actually on television again on Monday. It was a quick squash. It didn't really do anything, but at least they were on television. You saw Anderson and Gallows on television for the first time in a long time on Monday. They lost, but maybe this uh, story with them and AJ Styles is going somewhere. It'll be good to actually see those two guys on television on a semi-regular basis again until because they, they haven't they haven't been in months. Yeah, until they leave. Until they leave. But the, this is a that's a team that hasn't really – 
No, you haven't seen him. You could do probably anything. count on on two one hands, hand, one hand probably in the last six months. How many times you've I was going to go back to about August of last year. You remember I'm, when I'm talking they, about like nine when months. They first debuted. They showed hot they black were? t-shirts and jeans and jumped the rail on the Usos. Like it was like it was the Usos. sort of like the NWO. You were like, good. This is exactly what these guys should be doing. And they did it for like two weeks, and that was the highlight of their that entire was, WWE run. Pretty that much, that was the peak. That was the peak right there. And they haven't done anything ever since. I'm like, I would like somebody if if we have somebody in the listening audience that actually knows these statistics, you could probably count on two hands the amount of television matches those two guys have had since August of last year. And I'm talking that's nine, ten months at this point, ten months. And it's not like they're not talented. Very talented. And Carl Anderson got himself he got in the best unbelievable shape. shape. Yeah, best shape of his life. Like Un- unquestionably the best shape of his life. Like, how is that guy avoiding catering? Because that's all he does, it shows, is catering. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. So hopefully that means something. And, I mean, AJ's not doing a whole heck of a lot right now either, so you might as well put them together because at least the hardcore fans will appreciate what a- that means, what it represents, even if it's just kind of AJ's there. not cleared yet. Yeah. Um, the expectation is he'll be cleared pretty soon. They've got a tour of Japan coming up. July, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're getting to the end of June at this point. I know it's coming up, and they've already promoted that the club is going to reunite on this tour of Japan. They're also going to have Triple H among their ranks because apparently Triple H just has a checklist of places he wants to work, things he wants to do, groups ch- he wants to be a, a part checklist of, checklist of stables that he's going to be factions part of he wants to. Night. Yeah, the <laughs> Shield last year. Now it's the club. Yeah. There's not a whole lot left that he can do. Like I said, if he becomes the third young buck, that's going to be the big one. He joins the <laughs> he's elite. Gonna be, he's going to be part of the elite. Yeah, that's going to be the one that I don't think people are going to have seen coming. So you talked about how stomping grabs is pretty much running things back, and we're going to talk about it, and we'll talk about that card in detail later on in the program. But advertising for Extreme Rules, which is the month following stomping grounds, is advertising, and of course this could change. Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins in a tables match, and Roman Reigns in a handicap match against Shane and Drew McIntyre, and the same stuff. Just two, I think it, it was all the same. So if Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins are having a tables match, Seth's going to win, and then Corbin's going to call for some match where he could win without having to pin Seth Rollins. That's kind of the only reason. But the 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 dumbest thing about this whole deal to me, the Corbin thing. The special guest referee stipulation makes no sense logically. Why would anyone watch a company where a villain gets to pick a referee to hand pick a referee to try and just beat somebody because he can't do it the other way? Like it does not make sense why a promotion or why any structural organization would allow something like that to happen. And that's the thing I was actually about to bring this up. The only thing that we're really promoting about this show tonight is who is going to be Baron Corbin's special work. And that's because no one believes Baron Corbin can win because he's got zero credibility at this point. Like They've been teasing this for weeks. This has gone through multiple uh, incarnations of who it's going to be. It was Elias to kick off the show on Monday, then EC3. Eric Young, who looks really weird. He does look strange, doesn't like, he? Eric Young looks like a creator wrestler from SmackDown versus Raw 2007. Yeah. Like, that's what he looks like right now. 
It's not a good look. It's not a just not a, it's not out. a look that needs to be on television no. from week to week, to be honest with you, as talented as that guy is. But we went through all of that and then we we had it on Tuesday. Well, we don't actually know who the special guest referee is. And I don't know if WWE wants you like is that their hook? That has to be the hook because they know the that, match ain't a hook. Is that what's gonna get you into the building? Is which like undercard guy did Baron Corbin you know convince to be the special guest referee? When they have mystery opponents and stuff, we've talked about this before on the show. Remember the time it was Jericho that one time? And then one once it burst, like usually these are not good payoffs in the end. Like whoever this is, it's probably not gonna be all that interesting. It ain't gonna be Brock because that doesn't make any sense. It, there's no logic behind him being the special guest referee because he can go and cash in anyway. Like, he doesn't need to be the ref. He can go out and kill both of them and then hand a briefcase to somebody. and Like, it doesn't matter. So it's going to be somebody like, like, when it turns out to be Bobby Lashley, don't be surprised. <laughs> when it turns out to be Robert Roode for no apparent reason, don't be surprised. Like, don't get your hopes up that this is going to be some gigantic... It ain't going to be Bray Wyatt. You know, it's it's not... There's nothing. I don't know. Do you have any clue? Is there anybody in your head that you think it could be that would make any sense? Not not anybody that would make any sense. Like I mean, who are Corbin's friends? The way that they're playing it on television. I mean, it's basically any dude that you don't see on television from week to week. Right, but all the people you've seen Corbin with are. I mean, you don't want Drew in that spot. Corbin's friends. I mean, you don't really have that many. Gender Mahal? Like, <laughs> I mean, is that what we're doing? Like, that's that is. I just I fail to understand, and that's your. I mean, that's the top match technically because the Raw title is the one that matters. Truthfully, even though Kofi's been booked a lot better, I mean, they're in a cage match tonight that the heel called for to stop outside interference, which is amazing in itself. Which, of course, I would say indubitably means that Dolph's going to have help, and still lose. At the risk of bearing the brunt of criticism from our listening audience here, because I am well known to anybody who has listened to this show for the last five and a half years as a quote-unquote hater of Dolph Ziggler. This man has been back for four weeks now. You're a hater. I'm done with it. Remember that article that I wrote that he replied to? Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. You're actually you're the hater. Of that's what show. I'm. That's why. That's what I'm looking at you. I'm like, I know you're not that big a fan, but I'm thinking I might be. I might tip the cake on this one. Yeah, he's actually responded to you being a hater in the past. He t- I'm just. A, I'm just an invisible hater. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, man. He's a terrible actor. He, he's an awful actor. The way he delivers dialogue. The, the way is he's the delivering worst. this story right now. It's ba- First off, it's basically the same promo he's been cutting for the last six years. Why not me? About how he's better than everyone else and why am I not getting the opportunities. It's a different spin on the same, same, same thing he's been cutting for six years. Win a match. But he's like turned up to 14 or 15 when the dialogue needs to be at about a six. Like this dude, he's – I don't – was I think I heard Wade Keller say this this week. He said Dolph Ziggler is the guy that's trying to get the lead role in the high school play. He's and so like he's William overdoing Shatner it. So he's overdoing there. it on stage, and it makes everything he does look infantile and terrible. 
and he's right. Like he, the way he enunciates, the way he screams, none of it is natural at all. I bet you could write some of the best dialogue in the world for him, and he couldn't read it. I, I haven't seen a stand-up act, but I have to imagine it's better than this. This is bad. I don't want to hate Dolph. Like Dolph's athletic, and I've enjoyed watching him work at times during the years he's, he's had a talented feuds. guy. I enjoyed him and Drew actually a little bit last year when they were doing the little tag deal with Ambrose and Rollins. Like that worked out pretty well. I thought Dolph and Miz had a pretty good program a couple of years ago too. Problem with Dolph is he can't he can't figure out how to be unique. So one, he tried to be Shawn Michaels, and now he just. How could he watch himself read this dialogue and not recognize? Ouch, guys. This ain't good at all. It's cringy. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. When we come back, we said we liked Raw, and then we kind of started talking negatively about it. But there were some things to like, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into the Firefly Funhouse segment from Monday night, which may have been the last one, possibly. Are we actually going to see Bray Wyatt? And Brian Alvarez raised a really interesting question that may carry us through the rest of the show. We'll tell you what that is next as well. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Squared Circle Radio, it's our time here on 104.5 The Zone. Triple H going to enter the, to this when he joins the club in Japan. Just waiting for him to join like Suzuki Gun while he's over there. Show is he going to make G1. the one? Is he going to make the club also ride tricycles to the ring? Bobby's world, <laughs> Paulie's world. That's Brandon Hagney. I'm Jason Martin. David Reed will be back with us soon. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. You can follow us there. So. We'll talk about the Firefly Funhouse here in a second. There were a couple of things that I heard this week uh, from the wrestling media that I found intriguing. One of them regards an injury that happened this week, and it actually relates to the music you just played, so I'm going to go there. I wasn't planning on it, but sometimes content can come from the ether. Lars Sullivan, hurt out six to nine months. You sent a message to us in our text chain and said that's probably about the end of him, and a lot of people agree with you. So I was listening to the other side of that argument, and this was – Brian Alvarez saying, here's the thing. If you go back to the turn of the century, two guys, one of them was Triple H, one of them was Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was labeled as injury prone by Vince McMahon. Triple H never was. But if you go back and look at how much time both those guys miss, substantially more for Triple H. But the deal was Triple H was big. And he had long hair, and he had the right look, the look that Vince craved, and he obviously had the other thing with Stephanie being involved too. But Ray was healthier than Triple H for most of his career, and Ray was labeled injury-prone and kind of pushed off to the side because of his size. All that to say, his belief, and I just think, now Vince is going to give him a million chances because Lars Sullivan is special in the eyes of Vince McMahon. If this were any number of other guys... This would be it for him, but Lars is too important to Vince. Vince thinks he's superstar level potential, and so he's going to get the opportunity to just show back up like nothing happened in nine months. Before I go off on like the same tangent that I've been going on on Lars Sullivan for the better part of the last six weeks, I know that's getting old to listen to. It's not like Lars Sullivan 
was over like gangbusters before this. Whether you like him or not, if you're Vince McMahon and you see dollar signs in him, nothing about this rollout over the last two to three months or however it's been since Lars Sullivan showed up on our television screen for the first time, none of that made you money. Yeah. You didn't make a dime no. off of Lars Sullivan no. over the last two to three months. And not only that. You didn't make any money in NXT either. A lot of your audience just doesn't like the guy. A lot of the audience went back and read those posts Reddit that posts. he made on a bodybuilding forum from Body eight to yeah. ten years ago that are, quite frankly, like troubling. Like I'm not going to say they're like heinous or anything like that, but they're not not a good look. That's putting it mildly. They're not a good look. So you already have to overcome this wave of anti-Lars Sullivan sentiment because a considerable amount of your audience has read those posts and have already made a judgment on Lars Sullivan, and I am included in that in that group of people. So Lars Sullivan has to work doubly hard to win those people over, to entertain those people, and to actually draw this company money. And for the last two or three months, or however long he's been on television, he did none of that. So at this point, if he's off television until 2020, you, are we just going to run this back in eight months? And it's not going to draw a dime and then? kill people and nobody's going to care? Right. This is this is the essence of the Vince McMahon conundrum in that Vince is going to be stubborn enough to say he's smarter than the audience and he can drag them wherever he wants to drag them. Problem is, a lot of people are starting to take notice, and I don't mean a lot of people inside WWE, and I don't mean a lot of people in the wrestling media or the so-called smarts or whatever else. I mean investors, stock people, and even television networks like Sky Sports that had a 30-year deal overseas with WWE dating back three decades that came to a close this week because the rating stunk and Sky said no more. And so now they have a deal where Sky was in over 8 million homes in the UK. They're on something B something that's less than three. It's like 2.4 million homes com compared to eight and a three-decade relationship ended because WWE just was not interesting enough to Sky Sports anymore. Sky Sports, one of the longest running partners Vince McMahon has ever had on television, and it's gone. Eventually, is he going to actually see the light here? Because when Fox starts, there is the belief that the ratings are going to go through the roof just because it's on Fox. And I'm here to tell you that may start, it may start that way. But if these shows, if the product is not good, I don't care how much money you've spent how many times Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about it? If the product is bad, people are not going to watch. And it's already on a bad TV night because it's on Fridays. I had this conversation uh, with our program director, Brad Willis, uh, on Friday. He, he was kind of thinking to himself, like, does WWE... Now, I know we're sort of having this conversation after WWE had one of its better programming weeks of the last two or three months. But his thought was, is, is WWE just keeping bullets in the chamber for when they actually go to Fox? I think he's, I think so. Are, are, we, are we just running all this crap out there to basically run out the clock until they get to Fox in the fall? Seems like a lame duck period. At least that should be your hope if you're a WWE fan, that this is just... 
we're kicking a can down the road, but the road's actually going to come to an end. Eventually, we actually are going to pick this can up. put in some faith in this company that I'm not sure is warranted. Like, I'm telling you, Lesnar cashing in on that first show, I could absolutely see that happening. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin will be advertised and probably be there on that show. I think The Rock, if they can get him, will be there on that show, and all of this will be advertised a month in advance, and this we'll is, hear about it during football and all, everything else. They this, are going to have to bring in superstars because as we and even all those that hate when we go too negative will agree, they've done a terrible job of creating stars in their current roster that actually are exciting enough to make people come to Fox and tune in. There is no larger-than-life superstar right now in WWE. But here's the conundrum here. Instead of playing the four corners offense for six months until you debut on Fox. You know what you could have used that six months to do? Get people Build hot. a star. Uh, build more than one. I mean, just just write good television and make the momentum feel positive on the way in the door as opposed to all of a sudden, boom, brand new after like, this is the everybody's thing. been in malaise. This is the thing. Like, Raw, Raw was pretty good on Monday for the most part. Like, there's always going to be problems with a three-hour show that you can nitpick. There's going to be segments that don't work. But for the most part, a three-hour Raw on Monday was actually pretty good. And I'm sure the ratings numbers weren't great for Monday they because weren't. they were expecting, everyone's expecting at this point what they've gotten for the past two months. And a lot of people have tuned out of Raw. Like, they might read recaps, they'll check out highlights on YouTube or something like that. But instead, they're not actually watching three hours of Raw from week to week uh, like they used to because the product for the last two or three months has been terrible, largely terrible. So the thing is, WWE probably looks at that Monday rating and say, well, we tried all this new stuff. We put all these other guys on television that haven't been on television uh, for a long time, and it did nothing. Well, we're going to have to do something else then. That's not how you build good television. Like, it doesn't... You don't put on one good television show and 7 million people come and watch it. Like You have to build this thing over and over and over and over. You have to put on a, a good television show week to week to week, and then after two or three months, maybe people are watching. Yes, it's got WWE a WWE doesn't view that that way, though. No, they absolutely do not. That is not how you build a television show. You're right, this week was better, but what does it matter? This card that they were building, too, is trash. It just is. This is a pay-per-view card on the WWE Network that I can honestly sit behind the microphone and tell you I have zero interest in seeing outside of one match. And it was a match that was built literally on Monday. It was, right. It was built on Monday, and it's very possible it gets six minutes. And, and we're, of course, talking about Ricochet and Samoa Joe. Yeah. But there's been a lot of bait and switch in the eyes of some. I don't think Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins is what you would have wanted that to be if you wanted to make that matter. That was a fresh match. This match has never been done before, and it should be huge. So they do it on Raw, and it doesn't even pop a rating. It holds on to the rating, but the ratings numbers on Monday were up a little bit short of 5% from last week. Let me tell you what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That means that WWE did what they do usually against the NBA Finals without the NBA Finals. That's not good. It's not good at all. It was like a 2.24 million, I think, that, that watched it. And very close to 2 million or underneath in that third hour. And that third hour, you had Daniel Bryan versus Seth Rollins. That's a WrestleMania main event if it's built right. 
That's the last great baby face in WWE. The last one that really captured people was Daniel Bryan. And Seth Rollins, who I think you could try to build into that guy should you want to, but they haven't seemingly got it right. And I thought Seth was kind of, I thought it was pretty solid with with the little chair angle that they were doing throughout the show, even though, okay, you're going to hit me with a chair. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be the special guest referee. Like, chair yeah, shots don't matter. Apparently, if Seth Rollins hits you you're with a chair, to get you are chair. done. Like, you are now out of the running for being the special guest referee. So this is a question. We'll tease this, and we'll come back on the other side, and we'll talk about it. This is something you can certainly tweet us at Zone Wrestling. The question that was asked, or that Brian Alvarez posited this week, that I just found fascinating was, how do you build the star going into 2020? How do you make a new Stone Cold Steve Austin? And so he laid out how it's been done since the 70s. I don't know if you can do it based on how it's always been done, but we need to try and figure out if that guy actually exists on the roster or not. So we will kind of deep dive into that. Stick around. Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back, Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Brandon Hagney with me. I'm Jason Martin. He's at Hag Haney. I'm at J Mart Zone. We're at Zone Wrestling. Our partner in crime is David Reed. He is out recuperating from surgery, hopefully doing better. He's on Twitter at J. Uh, sorry, he's actually at David Reed Radio. He could also be at J Mart Zone. He's also though. at J Mart he's, Zone. We're all at J Mart Zone. That's fine. Let's watch a video during the break of Zion Williamson and his press conference on Thursday uh, saying that he was disappointed in Avengers Endgame because Thanos didn't win. If there's any reason to like Zion more, he's pulling for that snap. Thanos did nothing wrong. He really didn't. He just kind of had an skewed version of the world to some extent. <laughs> so the question was asked, and I guess I have to lay out the case. The question was, how do you build the Stone Cold Steve Austin of 2020 or of this coming decade? And so Brian Alvarez, the wrestling observer, does a really good job. Went back to the 70s to explain this. And he said, who was the biggest star of the 1970s? Bruno? Bruno. Bruno was the blue-collar everyman from Pennsylvania when WWF was a heavily Northeast territory. So he reflected the audience. He reflected the audience, and he reflected the society at the time, you know, up by your bootstraps, all that stuff. Who was the biggest star of the 80s? It was Hogan. And for the NWA, it was Ric Flair. Hulk Hogan was, you know, the big superhero action movies that came about in the 80s. Stallone, Schwarzenegger. Juan, Tan, California, Venice Beach. There were two things about the 80s. There was that side, and then there was the world of excess. That was Ric Ric Flair. Flair. So, again, reflected the times. It reflected the decade. Who was the guy in the 90s? Shawn Michaels for the first half. Yeah, you could put Shawn down, but who was the guy that allowed WWE to go public. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. What was Stone Cold Steve Austin? He was the anti-hero, anti-authority, rebellious, but in a sort of a new way that ushered in the attitude. And then on the other show, the NWO, and what they were doing in the mid-'90s as well. 2000s? John Cena? Exactly. And John Cena was sort of... 
he was a bit of a throwback, but there was an edge to the character early on with the rap gimmick and the thugonomics and all, and all of that. And then in two thousand, in this decade, I guess Daniel Bryan is really it. He's really the only one that reflected maybe CM Punk a little bit, but not. They wanted it to be Roman Reigns, but right. You can name any number of the guys that we just talked about and said, well, what's the difference between them and Roman Reigns? First thing is, each one of those guys was different from the guy that preceded him. Roman Reigns is very clearly, and has been for a long time, an attempt to redo John Cena, John Cena who they just finished you know, doing this deal with. 2020, to find the next guy, and all these guys ushered in boom periods in pro wrestling in various ways, some bigger than others. Cena wasn't quite as big as an Austin or a Hogan, but he carried the ball and did an exceptional job during that time frame. So you look at the coming decade and you say, well, who is, what is the reflection of the decade we're about to live in and where we've lived for the last half decade? What is society? What is the wrestling mantra? The argument that he made, he said, you could try to argue for somebody like a Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega, the way he does his production elements, the way he has his matches, but also he's a gamer, you know, like Xavier Woods. And like, there's a lot of that crossover between those guys. And that if you want to find a new boom period for pro wrestling, if you want to find the guy, then you find the guy that actually replicates what society looks outside because that will draw them in. The problem for WWE is you have to find all of that in the package Vince wants to look at. You also have to find uh, all of that through the eyes of a 70-plus-year-old man. Right. Who probably doesn't understand... uh, today's society quote unquote you remember we had that discussion a few years ago about what Sami Zayn could be about what a great baby face he could be before he came this is before he came up to the main roster that the last great baby face was Bret Hart and we talked I think we mentioned Rey Mysterio was kind of being on that periphery Sami I think maybe could have had a chance but he's not big enough he doesn't have the world's greatest look and Vince Vince would look at Sami Zayn the way I think he does look at Sami Zayn. I don't even know if Jim Ross is around to say he's a good hand. I don't. I don't know if Jr. is there for that. There's also the thing about uh, apparently Sami Zayn is not a very yeah. uh, pleasing person to be around. Apparently his uh, personality grates on people. It yeah, grates on people. He's a little critical and things of that nature. But is the guy on the roster now or somebody that we don't know yet? That's the question because. I don't think it's Roman. I think that that's kind of, at this point, I think it's toxic, and I don't think they've done that great with him since he came back no, either. No. They've basically tried to rerun the uh, Roman. I feel like we have one play in the Roman Reigns playbook that we've been running over and over and over for the last three years. Roman Reigns versus the authority. Like, it's basically it's basically the Stone Cold Steve Austin play. We've been running the same play for 20 years, except Roman Reigns is not Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, there's and that. And nobody that he's going up against is as compelling as Mr. McMahon was. And not even, not even the character 20 years later is what Mr. McMahon was in 1998. Yeah, and then there's the problem that we all know how much they love Roman Reigns. So we, it's hard for us to see through these people that are trying to hold Roman Reigns down when we know they're... Roman Reigns' biggest cheerleader. Even though that was true for Austin as well, Roman, we've just seen his astroturf for such a long period of time. 
So I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, who have they screwed up with that could have been the guy that maybe now can't be the guy, but who had the right stuff to maybe be the guy? I don't know that the list is all that long. I think Seth might have had a shot, and maybe they still have a little bit of a shot. I don't think he can be the guy. I still think Kevin Owens could have potentially been the guy because Kevin Owens was a – does anybody know Owens? Like, anybody listening to us right now, you have a problem with Kevin Owens? I mean, you might not like his heel character because he's a jerk because he's good at his job, but Kevin Owens, like, bowling with his kid and his kid cheating and eating hot dogs and the handle works and just the way he goes about his business, always has good matches. Like, Kevin Owens is a guy I think people could have gotten behind at least to, like, the Diamond Dallas Page level. And that dude was pretty high up there for a short time in WCW. My whole thing is to go back to superstars that sort of reflect society at that point. Like if you're my biggest conundrum is what is society? Exactly. Right That's what I was about to say. Like which which society because there's so many different ones that we've got right now because it's such a polarized society that we live in right now where we have deep divisions. Yes. Uh, across a lot of different spectrums like uh, my my whole question is like which part of society are you trying to reflect in your superstar like is it you know the gaming culture and everything that crossover appeal with a guy like Kenny Omega like that that could work but that works to like one certain uh, specific portion of society it's not society as a whole because we are so fractured yeah see I, I don't know how to define what society is in, and I'm not really going to say in the age of Obama or the age of Trump or the age of whatever. Like I have no idea. I, d- I know WWE doesn't know. That's very obvious because I don't see anybody from week to week that makes me feel like somebody is on the pulse of where the audience is, where the people at home are, where the people that we run into on a day-to-day basis are. I don't know that it was kind of, I think, easy to contextualize and follow what was happening in the 70s and in the 80s and in the 90s. And I think it's gotten increasingly murky. And maybe one of the reasons for that is because there's just so much choice in everything now. I mean, think about all that you have to watch on a daily basis if you decide to turn on a TV. The movie theater that I grew up with in Martinsville, Virginia, had two screens. There's 20 screens everywhere. There's all the streaming options. There's all of these different things. So I feel like it's hard to like put a hold on what society looks like now because it's so individual. It depends on who you are and what you like because there's something that can cater to that. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to say fractured as in like oh, you I know said, what you're the, saying. the Obama America or the Trump America. There's just so many different subcultures these days. Like. I mean, I my interests outside of this building are most likely completely different than, you know, any number of other people. Any number sure. of people in this building. Yeah. Like the the subcultures that that people belong to are completely different. There's no not everything is homogenous like it was back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And I think that makes it difficult. So, I don't know who the guy would be. Like I understand that WWE's got a little bit of trouble in terms of trying to pinpoint who the guy is, but they've continued to try to shoehorn one guy for such a long period of time that I don't know how many people they've overlooked during that process that could have potentially been the one, if there was a one to to be found in that point. 
Kevin Owens, I don't know. I mean, it's imperfect. And then the guy keeps like running into my head. I know it's totally wrong. Is like a Nakamura or a Finn Balor or somebody like that. Like, I I just don't know. I think that they've done such a great job of defining everybody down into mediocrity in WWE that you can't even look at somebody and say he's a standout. I think you could have built around AJ, perhaps. AJ's the opposite of Dolph Ziggler, whereas Dolph Ziggler seems to get worse when he talks. AJ could barely speak in the late 90s and early 2000s when they tried to ask him in TNA to cut promos early. I mean, he just he couldn't talk. So what was he going to do? Well, he was going to figure out how to talk. I'm not saying he's the greatest promo in the world, but he ain't bad. He's definitely kind of turned it around. Like ever since we started this conversation, and, and you obviously brought it up at the very beginning of the segment, like the New Day keeps popping up into my head. Big E in particular, maybe. But, I mean, what we're seeing with Kofi. But is, like, is Big E's appeal too niche? Well, the problem is, is it too based on comedy? Like the two of us really like Big E. Yeah. And he is he does have a bit of crossover appeal. I mean, he is a voice on a adult swim cartoon right now. And of course he's a gamer and all of those things. You know, not to the not to the level of a Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, yeah. but he but he is, you know, part of that up up down down crew. I think his nickname is Big Wool because he's a heavy sweater. Um yeah, I mean that's that's a guy who obviously has the look that you would think that Vince McMahon wants. Um but yeah, is it based on comedy? Most of it, I think, is. I think that I think that's almost defines him down. He becomes entertaining, but can he do your main events that you need him to do? Maybe you should give him a chance. At least they've done something with Kofi. We will continue to say, even though we have a lot of questions and are trying to figure out what's going on and where they're going with things, Kofi is a bright spot in 2019, to be sure. When we come back, Firefly Funhouse, did we see the last one? What is to come next? Jonathan Hutton asked, what is Aleister Black doing? Asked us that in a text chain earlier this week. The answer, he's hanging out in a room, cutting promos in the back. I have no idea what he's doing. I know what we're doing. We'll come back. We'll also preview the Stomping Grounds card next. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment, Squared Circle Radio here on this week, on this Sunday morning. 104.5 The Zone, Brandon Hagney with me. I'm Jason Martin. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. Stomping grounds tonight. Probably we'll watch it and talk about it on Twitter. This one's all you, bud. Mm. Bailey Alexa Bliss. We did not talk about this, but that was a great segment on Tuesday night. It actually was. That was a very, very good segment because it actually sounded like two women should sound as opposed to like, Catfighting, idiotic dialogue back and forth. I, I'm glad we actually got to this because that was an act, that was a legitimate highlight of WWE programming this week. Uh, the moment of bliss talk show is not one that I particularly enjoy from right. week to week. I feel like we have so many of these. Ms. The TV. Kevin Owens show, Ms. TV, a moment of bliss. At least the, the electric week. chair didn't stick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, at least that was only a one-time thing, thank God. But yeah, I mean, we don't need three of these going on simultaneously. But I actually thought that was really good. I mean, both of them brought the fire. And I'm still interested in how Nikki Cross fits in all of this. Well, I guess it depends on what's going to happen with Alexa. Because what would be most interesting, I think, is for Bailey to actually turn heel here and for Alexa to stay babyface with Nikki Cross and for it to finally be revealed that what Alexis said about Bailey is true. 
because a lot of this is based on one Cody Rhodes comment about Kylie Ray and about how she actually is her character off screen and Bailey is a total fiction. Her character is totally created that uh, whatever her name is, a real life character, um, that she's not like that in real life, which I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know why Cody would say that, but I think you have the opportunity here to shift Bailey into this. Yeah, she's a total fraud. We haven't seen Alexa as a baby face. Alexa's likable when she wants to be. She's a great heel, too, but she's a great talker. Maybe leaving her and Nikki Cross I mean, together s- for a little while and then f- switching her, obviously, later would we be better than doing it this week. NXT when she was yeah. wearing you know, blue tutu and yeah. blowing glitter into the camera. Yeah, I'm not, not really discussing that one, but yeah, you're right on that front. But on the main roster, she's pretty much been one character. So they have an opportunity here, and it's interesting what they're doing with Nikki Cross. The other thing you could do that no one would see coming is Nikki's the one that turns that and destroys cool Alexa Bliss and goes crazy. That Nikki Cross has been the mastermind behind all of this stuff. She's the one that's putting out everything on social media about Bailey and Alexa Bliss. The lazy thing is just for Alexa to turn on Nikki Cross. That's the one thing I don't want yeah, to see what, just because it's so obvious. Yeah, and we've seen it a million times. Exactly. Like, that is literally – we talked about – you know, the Stone Cold Steve Austin playbook uh, in the last segment, that's the Alexa Bliss playbook. Like, how many times did she stand in front of a live audience and then cut one half of a very genuine, very heartfelt promo? Even where she was, like, almost tearing up. Yes, absolutely right. So so there are a couple of options they could go with that I think would be interesting. And I would love to see Nick, because Nikki immediately matters if she just destroys Alexa. Yeah. Because that's more the Nikki Cross character that we saw with Sanity and... We could maybe go back to a little bit of that, but they could build this and let them be friendly for a couple of months and let this thing play out to lead to SummerSlam, maybe, because they'll have 28 matches on that card. There's probably room for Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, we saw it at WrestleMania. We've seen it on TV. We've seen it in tags. We've seen him run in during Shane McMahon matches. Shane's probably going to be involved here. Can't imagine Roman loses, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know that it hurts anybody at this point because Roman's just kind of treading water. Drew is somebody that I hope they're going to do a lot more with. Yeah, I mean, at this point, how long has Drew McIntyre been on the main roster? When did he show up? Superstar shakeup in the fall, maybe? Oh, Wasn't yeah. it around the – didn't he show up around the time him and Dolph got together? That was pretty quick. It was like a year ago. It's been about a year. Maybe not quite a year, but yeah, well, we're in June. Gosh. We're almost in July. So, yeah, it's been about a year. Yeah, and we haven't really done much of anything with that guy. And that dude's main event. Got everything that you possibly could want. That dude can talk. He can work. That dude looks like a million bucks. I mean, here's the thing. like That that guy's the first incarnation of the Drew McIntyre character when he first debuted in WWE. The chosen one. The chosen one. That was his gimmick. The fact that Vince McMahon saw this guy as his next guy. Vince McMahon actually introduced him to the audience for the first time, gave him that endorsement. This version of Drew McIntyre is miles better than that version of Drew McIntyre. every way, he is ten times better. And that dude was the chosen one, but this guy isn't. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Becky and Lacey. Please let it end. I can't imagine they would change the title. That would be insanity. But, yes, it does need to end. Seth and Baron Corbin. Let it end. Please let it end. Any prediction for the referee? Drew Gulak. He's on the card, so he'll be there. (laughs) Kofi and Dolphin and Cage. Look, the match itself will be fine. 
There's not going to be anything wrong with the match. If they put that title on Dolph, this is the last episode of Squared Circle Radio. If Kofi loses, it better be to Brock Lesnar. That thing's on wax, man. (laughs) I mean, people just heard that. It's fine. Mark it down. If Dolph wins tonight, we're just going black from 7 a.m. I'm done. I'm done. It's just going to be dead air from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. on 104. Like, you're just going to hear nothing, and then you're going to hear Big Orange Sunday with Doug Matthews. Like, that's how this is going to go. You're going to think that the station... You're going to think the station is down. No. It's just that we refuse to work. Yeah. Samoa Joe Ricochet, this one I'm looking forward to. Please give it time. Ricochet could easily be one of the top baby faces in this company. Time equals four minutes. I think they're going to give it 12. I think they're actually going to give this thing time. I might be a fool to say this. You think Ricochet wins this thing? I think he should. I mean, Samoa Joe, the way he got this U.S. championship coming off of the Rey Mysterio injury – like there's no momentum behind Samoa Joe right now, despite the fact that we we everybody on this show loves Samoa Joe, and I think the the vast majority of our listening audience does. But I think you would agree that he has no heat behind him right now. He's just willing all that he has because he's so good. That that match should be the match tonight. It could be spectacular. New Day against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn ought to be fine, but we just kind of saw that on TV this week. Yeah, we did. So I don't I, I don't know why we saw it on TV either, but it'll be a good match. Nice, Akira Tozawa, and Drew Gulak in a triple threat match. That'll be on a pre-show, I would bet. It's going to be the match of the night. It'll be good. And then Daniel Bryan and Rowan against Heavy Machinery, a match we haven't seen, which makes me more interested in it, quite frankly. Uh, A lot of weight on the shoulders of Daniel Bryan in that one. (laughs) Because of his own tag team partner and the other side of the ring? Yes, yes. What do you think of Otis in the ring? (sighs) <sighs> I mean, it's just power moves and gyrating. That's that's what I've seen from Heavy Machinery. That's what I've seen from Otis especially. Well, you were describing Big E there for a second, like early Big E, like Big E when he was a, was Dolph Ziggler when he first debuted. I mean, it's it's power moves and then stopping to gyrate. Is this show going to make us feel better at the end of the night than we think we're going to? Is it well, going to exceed our absolutely bottom-feeding expectations? And we're going to say, I you know what? That's a pretty good I show. I actually think it will because so it, seems, it seems like WWE responds on these pay-per-views. Like when the, they always say it's darkest before the dawn. I feel like WWE works that way. Like When you have absolutely no expectations for a show – they come out and slam, and like it's probably going to be a really entertaining run. show with good wrestling matches, and we're just going to be like next week. And I promise you, folks, next week we will say a lot of nice things if they do some nice things tonight and have a good week of TV. I promise you, we don't live to be negative. We want to say positive things. I'm telling you, Dolph Ziggler's a champion. Don't tune in at seven o'clock next week. But if if he's not, tune in at seven o'clock for Square Circle Radio. We'll see you next week. Yeah!